Welcome, everybody, to a Couch Divided podcast. My name is Nick, and guess who's sitting right next to me, <laughs> as always? Just take a guess. It's Dr. Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I guess? Do I guess? I know who yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm turning the sound off on my computer. Like, right as you hit record, there was like a ding. Yeah, notification. Oh, I heard it. I hate those. <laughs> you know, every podcast that I listen to, it has least, something. Yeah, it's like one or two episodes always have <laughs> somebody getting a notification. So I know. Well, this is the day and age we live in. Yeah, it's our generation. Am I it. doing this right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Three years on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, I will <laughs> forever. Yeah. Like, Jesus, when I stand before him in eternity, will be like, and what? direction yeah. do you hold the mic and i'll be like mm, <laughs> nick nick uh I, yeah i uh well hello hello how are you <laughs> a little bit frazzled i think oh really <laughs> i'm i mean just like i like i told you when you first walked in i have been steadily working since like uh eight like working on my computer since mm. like eight it's yeah. now 11:40. And so I didn't do any of the things that I normally do to mm. get ready for the day except have coffee mm. and so like Nick got here and then I brushed my teeth. Yeah, I saw you brushing teeth. You're like, "Oh, hold on, hold on." So I just feel like I'm catching up yeah. to the time of day it is, I it's think. So well, maybe frazzled isn't the best word, It's all right. Mhm. No no judgment here. <laughs> I mean, I'm judging you, I but know. it's it's a good That's okay. We judge a, each other. It's, it's a righteous fine. judgment. <laughs> 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 the judgment I judge you with I, I, is you a know, righteous judgment. I end up talking to a lot of people uh, throughout the day, <clears throat> and I'm always trying to implement the the concept of judgment in there because <laughs> they all oh, oh, don't judge me, don't judge. Me. I'm like, you know what? You're gonna want somebody judging you. You, you, you want to receive judgment on this side of life and not the next. So just listen up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, you'll be surprised how many people go. You know what? You I think you're right. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> And I'm like, now what I'm not judging you for is your shorts, even though somebody should, but I'm not. <laughs> wah, wah. But uh, uh, like, no, no, we, we need to, to sharpen each other. But yes, 90 percent of the time. It, iron sharpens iron. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I want the people that love me to be the people that tell me like what yeah. I need to do. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Booger on your face. Get rid of it kind of thing. <laughs> Spinach I, in your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Pick it out. Pick it out. <laughs> Don't let him walk around with that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the f- that is the worst yeah. ever. Suffer the three second embarrassment. You're the messenger. They're gonna shoot you, but they will. It's think- really not that. Like I don't even feel that way about it. No. Like unless no, if it's like a mild acquaintance at a dinner party or something that like yeah. leans in and is like scratching their teeth, yeah. like maybe that's a little more embarrassing. I, but I had the kind of parents, and there's a lot of people like this, and it, it bless their heart, right? Um, um, I'm not sure. You know, it's like oh, you got you know, they'll point out the zit. All the oh time. my gosh, it, look at that yeah, zit on yeah, your face. Yeah. You gaining weight? <laughs> What's that zit? What's going on with your hair? Like, they care. Oh, I hate that crap. <laughs> Did you start to resent Is that an more? Italian thing? I don't know. I think it's just. Uh, well, it's a direct, it's like a really direct, blunt thing. Well, it, in, in its essence and core. The reason I know, asked, so, like, not to offend any of our Italian folks, <laughs> Nick is very Italian, at least on his. Dad's side, yeah, dad's side. Your mom's Irish, Irish German. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say my grandma, her mom, uh, was uh, her maiden name was Dooley. Yeah. Oh, so okay. So you that's can't as get bad much as, more Irish. Yeah, than you know, there's like songs with that name Dooley, in there. Dooley, Dooley, Doola. You know, like something is that like a that. real song? No, but it sounds like an you, Irish. I would have believed you if you had said yeah. yes. Um, and then my dad. I mean, his last name. You know, my last name is Thomas. Sure. Which is like as white and English as you can get. Now, I've heard, and I've told this story before, but I've always heard it used to be Tomasio, and then they changed it when he, you know, Ellis Island thing. Yeah, we should post a picture of your dad, because I feel like looking at your dad would explain (laughs) to everybody how Italian he is. Yeah, you know, know. Alex Trebek, even with the the mustache, he's got the mustache going on. Uh, And we're kind of loud, too, as well. Very, uh, but that's good. Um, yeah. So I feel like actually this whole little exchange you're hearing is a lot more like what we do, um, in our Patreon only show on the couch. That's a nice segue. Our most recent episode, dude, people love it. 
Yeah, I know. Our patron, like, seriously, I keep sending screenshots of the emails we're getting, mm-hmm. the comments we're getting to Haley, because mm-hmm. we had a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, <laughs> she, she's, she thinks it's the greatest. No, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and, like, for those of you that are patrons and know what we're talking about, she has agreed to come back yeah. um, and talk more to yeah. us about her, just her testimony I, I, and her experience. I named it. Haley sees a ghost, Did but you? it's far from what she actually saw. I kind right? of like yeah. that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. I it didn't too see as well. the name. I don't know how I missed the name of it. I just said Haley sees a ghost. Huh. Yeah, um, and um, she had no problem with it. I'm like, I'm going to leave it because it's kind of uh, yeah. compelling. But she had well, th- she has a she has a similarly dark and dry sense of humor. To right, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, she does. <laughs> and uh, she got us too as well. It was uh, very good chemistry when yeah, she was, it was here. Fun. Remember, that is the On the Couch um, show that we have derivative from this show on Patreon.com slash A Couch Divided to go there. You subscribe. You can listen to that episode. Yep. And we have... And all the other treasury of content we have. At least eight or nine hours of extra content. And And we're building it all the time. We're going to release another On the Couch episode. Is it this week or next week? Next Uh, week. Next week, yeah. Um, Probably Monday, Tuesday. Nick and our, like... Uh, unintended, but now like current third host mm-hmm. of the show, mm-hmm. James Baird, my James husband. Baird. So yes. they they jaw with each other for a while. It was funny that like I come out or when I woke up the next morning, I like I was like James, how did it go? What did you talk about? He's like mostly about Ecclesiastes. <laughs> and it went well. <laughs> and it went well. well. Uh huh. I loved the conversation. Those are kind of the conversations that I like to have. Is just kind of freestyle theology uh, in there and talking about our personal lives and what our sure. problems are, and then pointing it back to the. Well, that was re- like the really the whole point of on the couch was like for years for the three years mm-hmm. we've been recording. Now we've said we should have a microphone mm-hmm. during like our off yeah. the microphone time just because a lot of what we talk about we find interesting yeah <laughs> so, yeah how you do too as yeah. well it, we it are went- getting great feedback and in the new year guys just hold on to your britches as i would say to toby we are going like everything is getting revamped it's mm-hmm. going to be really cool and we're like adding a couple of tears layers to patreon it's gonna be great yeah it's gonna be yeah. great and we really like we're gonna start with merch mm-hmm. so that's fun merch maybe possibly video and yeah. um you know so and be then, a patron so we can afford nice cameras things are changing great. for this show too as well so yeah you yep. go to uh patreon.com slash a couch divided there's the final plug patreon patreon.com uh download the app it's pretty easy to use yes very minimal problems yes at least recently and you can find <laughs> us patreon.com slash a couch divided you subscribe you get all of our um uh extra content here for you we thank you for listening to this show this show will always be free this will always be updated share it with everybody tell everybody about it our like mission is to take dominion of an area that christians should have had dominion over long ago we're we're a struggling podcast and what i mean by struggling not in such a uh, in the ways of audience we love you guys and we want you to keep listening and we're growing and we're growing Mm -hmm. But we have a little machine on a desk, and so we're actually say, literally sitting on a couch, and it's not a studio. It's Robin's living room. Don't say struggling. Say small time. Small time. Grassroots. Grassroots. <laughs> we're a garage grunge beginnings. band, like yeah, 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 Seattle, yeah. circa 93. Yeah. yeah. That's us. But we would like to grow, 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 grow. And we yeah. have so many ideas. We just don't have the time because we don't have the money currently to do it. So um, you guys know what that's like. And we are so, we have an awesome little group of patrons right now and that's growing. Mm -hmm. Um, Just pray for us. Right. Oh, we forgot the plug. Like keep sending us your like personal stories with mental health. Yeah. How Jesus has redeemed or like how you cope, you know, your all your personal stuff. And that is going to be like a segment on on the couch. And you're uh, you you can totally keep it anonymous. Well, we'll we'll keep it anonymous. Yeah, we'll keep your anonymity uh, going on that. And uh, yeah, we're going to do a whole show with, you know, the audience's stories and experiences. Yeah, people's experiences. Uh, stories, coming to Christ, sanctification, right? What's you know, falling down, getting back up, yeah, all that stuff. All, of course, like with the undercurrent and theme of mental health. So yes, always. Okay, I feel like we've plugged a lot. Yeah, except you can go to or oh, not go us. to, but email us <laughs> at a couch divided podcast at gmail or go to our social, which is Facebook, Instagram at a couch divided pod. Same name for both. 
Um, and uh, so I think that we, like I've been hearing that we need to be on Twitter, Twitter. or X, or whatever X. the heck it is now. Twix. Twix. I've heard people call it Twix. Um, I don't tweet. Things. I think it's a dumpster fire of a. Uh, yeah, but I think a lot of I think platform. a lot of things happen there. At least uh, what that's what I'm hearing amongst podcasters. Yeah. So right. anyway, we might do that. We'll see. We also really want to get into TikTok, and Nick has the skills to do it. We just yeah. haven't had the time, but. I don't have the time for anything. I know. I'm trying to We're move busy. out. I know. But you're getting, you're close. <laughs> I'm close. You're yeah, close. I'm close. Um, yeah. Okay. So it is November 9th today when we're recording this. I'm not sure when our release date for it will be. Um, but we're going to have two more episodes this year for you guys. We're going to break from the beginning of December through mid-January. Mm. And, uh, We'll update you more about what that's going to look like in the coming year um, as we get closer to that. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the episodes we're doing for the rest of the year. Yep. And I'm excited about the one we're doing today. Yes, the one that we're doing today. Is, uh, a, is technically a part two. Like it's a horrible, horrific. Terrifying. Terrifying. Failed. Miserable psych studies. Yeah. <laughs> so the theme was like Halloween. But yeah. Um, Nick had so much to say about baby Albert. Mm-hmm. Albert, right? Not Alfred. I always do yeah, that. Albert, yeah. I like mix Alfred and Albert up. Oh, really? But yeah. I like Albert. Albie. Baby, baby Al. You'll never baby go Baby Al. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we ended up recording like for a, a full episode length on his story and to, decided to record mine later. To be honest, I think Albert's a strong name. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. I, I don't think I would name my kid that. It's kind of old school, but I like it. I like old school names, though. Yeah, like yeah. Ger- Gertrude. Mm, Margo, I like that name. Margo is good. I also yeah. just like strange names. But Tobias, that my son, he that's a strong old yeah. name. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. means, it's well, it comes from like, yeah, Tovaya, like yeah. goodness of Yahweh. Yeah. And he is manifest. A gift. That little God. blonde, curly-headed boy. He's he, great. He loves you, too. He was what the Rugrats would call nakey when <laughs> I walked in. That is true. He was. Yeah. He was walking around in the nude. Rugrats had an episode where they were uh, oh, yeah. taking off their diaper. And they're like, <laughs> Frida, baby, is naked. Well, I've tried naked. to go back and watch episodes of that show. And like the way it's animated just disorients me now. Oh, really? I don't know why. I love it. Yeah. I, I love don't. all the, the, the songs in the back or the little <laughs> tinker toys that you, you hear. And I'm like, it, it really just puts me right back. In, yeah. Into that. Five or That's six. interesting. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I don't even have to watch it. I just have to hear it. The sure. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and it's in your mind. That and Doug. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It really brings me back. Hank so. Hill, uh, King of the Hill. King of the Hill, especially the, the first few seasons. We'll do that too, oh, too so, as well. It's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. So okay. today we are talking about the dun dun dun. The monster study. <laughs> I might leave the, uh, in that blooper. I know, it's fun. It's fun. Also known as, or originally known as, the Tudor study, named after mm-hmm. uh, the principal investigator on the study, Mary Tudor. Uh, Tudor, like the House of Tudor, T-U-D-O-R. Yeah. Um, and later dubbed the monster study. So I picked mm-hmm. this one because um, I was not as familiar with it, mm-hmm. and we... Yeah, we wanted to give you guys maybe mm. something you hadn't heard about too often. Mm-hmm. When Albert, baby Albie, he is a well-known case. So, yeah. um, this is actually really interesting and very horrifying, but mm-hmm. really interesting. So, um, this study comes to us out of the late 1930s in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody, go back there in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to early <laughs> Iowa. Early Iowa. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, I'm kind of I'm going to start with some like historical stuff and some definitions because I think it's important to understanding the study, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll move more into like the components of the study and what the study found and how it hurt people <laughs> as we kind of chug through. So. Mm-hmm. Like I said, originally, um, it was called the Tudor study because the principal investigator was a graduate student named Mary Tudor Mm -hmm. at the University of Iowa in in late 1930s, 1939. And it was originally, the study was originally designed to discover 
the long-term effect of both positive and negative feedback on a child, on an individual's language development. Specifically, it was looking at stuttering. And, you know, the sort of what they were looking for, I find interesting, you know, uh, how we react to, you know, positive feedback, especially at an early age, how, you know, they... uh, babies cry and or get scared and they're giving you instant feedback sure you know? how far does that Com- go it's communication know? yeah right and mm-hmm. so this is the essence of like that. how I think so yeah we're talking about like positive and negative reinforcers not negative in like removing a stimulus the way yeah. that mm-hmm. behaviorists mm-hmm. would talk about reinforcement but does feedback when you are using positive good feedback mm-hmm. or when you're using critical or negative feedback does mm-hmm. it impact mm-hmm. an individual sure well, I feel like the answer seems blatantly obvious yeah. just by being a person. You know what it's like to receive, oh, Criticism. you did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Or, oh, that you're doing it well or normally yeah. uh, versus, gosh, you suck. Yeah. You suck the big one. Yeah. I do that to myself enough. Yeah. You have yeah. a lot of negative self-talk. <laughs> We're yeah. working on it. Yeah. A lot of us do. Yeah. Um, okay. So I thought it was pretty important that we actually define what stuttering is. So... This is like the, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, okay, which I feel like is the way most trope, like cliche wedding speeches start. Yeah. Merriam-Webster defines love. <laughs> You've heard that <laughs> at a wedding. So many, yeah. t- I, uh, well. This, uh, this uh, generation. Have I like heard it at a wedding? I don't know. But I've di- definitely heard it multiple times yeah. across my life. I'm surprised nobody's done Urban Dictionary. Oh, that yeah. would be. I wouldn't, you yeah. should look it up. Yeah, look up yeah, what stuttering yeah. is on Urban Dictionary. Shoddy means <laughs> in Urban Dictionary. You're my girl. All right. So to stutter refers to, it means to speak with an involuntary disruption or blocking of speech as by repetition or prolongation of vocal sounds. Hmm. Okay, so a stutterer might repeat syllables, for example, ta, 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 table. Okay, so repeating yeah. that first ta. Or add interjections like ums, uhs, or pause more frequently. Than Moses, s- Moses is from? I don't know. I wonder. Mm. Sometimes I think he said about he's that. he's had a slow tongue. He did get God to get send Aaron with him. Yeah. So maybe. Why yeah. not? Why couldn't it have been a stutter? Mm. The term stammer is also used to describe stuttering, at Mm -hmm. least here in the United States. Um, And most of the time, those terms are used interchangeably, although I'm sure speech-language pathologists these days would probably say there's a difference. I'm not sure. I don't hear that word too much often. Stammer? Yeah, I uh, once watched a movie called The King's Speech, which is a phenomenal movie. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. Yeah, I love it. And Colin uh, Firth is the best. He's so good He's just fabulous, yeah. And the essence of that movie is that, I mean, they said stammer a lot. And it's like, Did they? Yeah, stammer. I have a, st- I just have a stammer. It's like something that just happens. But, you know, there was a, a point in the movie where he's like, you know, where did this start? You know, what's the guy? Who's the speech coach? I, I forgot. Oh, my I gosh. Forgot. He's the best, he was too. Great. He was great. Uh, I feel and like I've just, I'm he, looking he it up. tricked him into speaking correctly, uh, which is awesome. So, but well, like, I'm yeah. not going to spoil well, the movie. Let's not give yeah, it away because yeah, yeah. it's really good. Yeah. Jeff Rush. Rush? What's, oh. Hold on, guys. I got a famous actor, and I should know. Jeffrey yeah. Rush. There you is go. that it? Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, in a lot of English stuff. So. Hold on. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush. Aus- he's from Australia, apparently. Oh, he no, plays, no. um, what's his name? <laughs> Gosh, I'm I'm failing today. In uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, he's the main he bad is. guy. Wow. What's his name? Oh, yeah. Ugh, guys, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. We're fine. This is what happens when we digress. Yeah, we're fine. Okay. Anyway, great movie, The King's Speech. Great, mm-hmm. great, great. Um, okay. So approximately 1% of the United States population stutters. I do not have statistics, worldwide statistics. Mm-hmm. So especially to our folks in Australia and mm-hmm. New Zealand, I'm sorry. Yeah. I would be interested to know what your population statistics are on this. Mm-hmm. So 1% of the U.S. population is about 3 million people. It is three to four times more common in males than it is in females. Mm. And the National Institute of Health says that stuttering is common among five to 10% of children. Mm. And they kind of dub it a natural part of language development. Mm. Okay. Some theories postulate that it's actually a function of the brain processing faster than the mouth can essentially keep up with, Mm. which I relate to that when I have like a, but when I do it, putting the cart before the horse, <sighs> just like my, br- well, like my ADHD brain is like, I wonder if, uh, 
any child has, that has been diagnosed with ADHD would have a, a stutter or more likely hmm. to have a stutter. I did not look at those studs. Yeah. W- w- like if there's any correlation. To that. Yeah, I mean, there's hyperactivity. It's going interesting. On. That would be a good in, like yeah. a good thing to look at. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if there is a connection there too, mm-hmm. or like a comorbidity. Yeah, like less stimulus would straighten out your tongue a little bit. Or well, actually, like just it, like an indication that it is more like a neural processing yeah. thing than it is. Yeah environmental yeah Mm -hmm. um so the majority of children who stutter grow out of stuttering which leaves that one percent of people Mm -hmm. that can continue to stutter now i'm stuttering myself (laughs) i've been noticing it um for the remainder of their life they don't grow out of it Mm -hmm. okay so wendell johnson who is the supervisor of our study not the principal investigator but the supervisor um, he was part of that 1% of kids that don't grow out of stutter, studying. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mm, We're and, proving this study so correct. Was, so is Robin and Baird. And so is Robin Baird. <laughs> <laughs> so understanding his experience with stuttering is pretty essential to understanding the study. Mm. So we're going to... We're going to now go back even further in time to a little town called Roxbury, Kansas mm-hmm. on April 16th, 1906. Woo. I want to do like the uh, high noon sound effect. Oh, yeah. And then I got to get a bunch lead. of on them here. Yeah. Uh, not that Kansas is super deserty, but it's very flat. Mm-hmm. Lots of it's plains. Lots of sunflowers grow mm-hmm. there. Um, so it was on this day in the year of our Lord, 1906, that Mm -hmm. Wendell Johnson was born. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a young age, like many children, he began to stutter. So uh, at the first, at first it was just like a slight stutter that manifested an occasional hesitation and repetition of syllables. Pretty, pretty uh, par for the course, right? Over time, the stutter became worse. And as his fellow classmates grew out of their stutters, he did not. Mm-hmm. Poor Wendell. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this did not affect his education much. He was the president of his class in high school, and he was valedictorian, mm. which I think is awesome. Yeah. Right. right? Way to like. I have a stutter, but I'm super. But smart. just do it, yeah. man. Right. So he, he was not isolated from others, which at, especially at that period of time would have been a lot more common. You know, it, well, and it can be a side effect of stuttering anyway, right? Like as a secondary result of stuttering, yeah. somebody would isolate to avoid social or performance sure, anxiety. Yeah, so all he had his books, right? Right. Those who knew him, Nick, described him as a lighthearted guy with good character. Mm. Some even described him as being sort of a class clown. When I was doing this part of the research, I actually pictured you for some reason. <laughs> I was not a class clown. And, that's well, sure. that's just like. I mean, in high school I was. I guess. Were you? Yeah, yeah. I was not. Yeah. I was a nerd. Mm. Nope, I was, uh, I was a nerd in elementary school. <laughs> and classical nerd, too, as well. I wasn't a classical nerd. Because comic books or manga or anime were not popular uh, as they are now. And Nick I is such a rebel. Yeah. He's so... Yeah, 90s was counterculture, but no, we're <laughs> digressing again. So. Okay, so whenever uh, Wendell Johnson, Mr. Johnson, ultimately Dr. Johnson, I believe he ended up getting a doctorate, although I don't know that for sure. He struggled to express his thoughts. Whenever that happened, he would look for a pen and paper to help aid him in expressing himself via words mm. that he couldn't verbalize. Um... Which I imagine is what I would do too, mm. right? It seems like a pretty good cope. Yep. At 20 years old, he enrolled in a collegiate English program. And then after that, he decided to pursue a master's degree in speech pathology. Wow. Okay. So speech pathology is the study of speech disorders. Mm. Um, and those can include articulation disorders. So for example, pronouncing an S as a TH instead of a S, right? Mm. It's a th yeah. sound. Behavioral disorders like selective mutism. So being mute is when you don't speak. Mm. That's what mutism is. Selective mutism refers to being unable to speak in certain social settings or situations. Mm. Um, and then stuttering. Stuttering is um, an issue with fluency. Mm. So it is a speech disfluency. Yeah. That's what stuttering is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So currently, like this day and age, m- lots and lots of public schools, 
uh, employ their own in-house speech therapists, pathologists to aid kids who are struggling with various speech impediments. Um, but at that time, speech pathology was really not a thing yet. It, it was, but it was not accepted by like other academic disciplines as a true area of scientific mm-hmm. study. It was in its infancy. Mm-hmm. So like that's, that is the time Johnson, Wendell Johnson, mm-hmm comes alongside speech pathology. Okay. Um, apparently, like, I mean, I guess technically that would be at the risk of a reputation, right? If you're, if you, uh, choose an area of academic study that is kind of looked at as bogus by the rest of the academic Mm. world. Yeah. Hmm. It does signify his passion for the, right. uh, Well, and it may, I mean, he was a stutterer, so it makes sense. Right. So if you're willing to put yourself out there, know that you're in a... He wanted he wanted to understand it, and he sure. wanted to find cures. He didn't, he didn't care about the stigma. No. So, yeah. so he had been affected, right, so much by his own disfluency that he wanted to know what caused it, mm-hmm. and if there was any way to effectively treat it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at this point, he was enrolled at the University of Iowa, which at that time was the lead institution in speech pathology, although I'm not sure exactly what a claim to fame that is. It might have been the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, during his study, Johnson and his classmates began attempting to draw some conclusions about various speech issues. Mm. Uh, so I just I laugh, even though it's probably not that funny. Um to test the impact of fear mm. on stuttering, students would use electric shock on each other. Cool stuff. Mm. To see, um, to surprise one another and see how that surprise affected speaking patterns. Mm. Uh, they also discharged firearms mm. next to each other's ears. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like in my graduate school classes if we had been firing guns. Um, not great. And they, so with the same goal in mind, trying to observe like how being startled might affect speech fluency. Yeah. So there were really no limits at all at that time Mm. on what could be done in research, which we're talking about very similar time frame to baby Albert. Sure. Um, Really, it was the Stanford prison experiment where we start to see a lot of like ethical and like ethical guidelines being imposed now around research to protect the participants, you know, really the mad scientist era. You want to say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. I think. Um, So like Johnson, many of his classmates, so this is in the graduate program, right. Also suffered from stuttering and they related to the various trials that came along, the struggles that came along with having a speech impediment. Mm. So the researchers had a lot of questions, several questions. Why do some people grow out of stuttering while others do not? Mm. Where does stuttering come from? What causes stuttering? Does it have to do with the biology of a stutterer's brain? Mm. Are they, quote, wired differently? Or is stuttering a learned behavior? For example, do external factors like criticism from teachers or parents cause it? Mm. So many questions. Or is it the strange phenomenon that happens with uh, accents too as well? (laughs) Or when you start (laughs) recording an episode on stuttering and suddenly stutter stutter a lot. Um, Same thing. It's like when somebody yawns, you yawn. (laughs) Self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's got to be like some kind of bias that's happening. Yeah. Um, it all, but I, I think at its foundation, we are very vulnerable creatures, susceptible oh yeah. to a we lot of things. We are so, yeah. so subject. Like at the very least, we can come People to can conclusion. suggest pretty much anything to us, and yeah. it will work. Yeah. We'll believe it, yeah. or we can, like, people can say, don't you remember this? Mm-hmm. And we can create a memory, even if a, an independent memory didn't exist. just talking to my mother about that, you know, uh, old stories that I hear, and I'm like, I don't know if I remember that, or if I just, you know, have concocted yeah. a, an image in my head based off of the story that you're telling. Right. And then I say, yeah, I remember when mm-hmm. I was a kid, but I don't, you know what I mean? So. We've got episodes coming on memory and dreams, yeah. so just put that in your... Yeah. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Nick. Dreams. That's a song. This is what dreams <laughs> are made of. Um, so at the the time when Johnson is a graduate student and then eventually he will graduate, um, the lead theory that was held among 
the students and teachers in the research department at the university was that the brain of a stutterer was different. Hmm. Um, that biology, writer wiring ca- caused the stuttering. And at one point, the university actually obtained an electromyograph in order to test this hypothesis specifically. So they wanted to look at brain activity. Hmm. Um, they wanted to compare the brain activity, the brains of stutterers to those of non-stutterers. Um, so, uh, I thought this was just funny. This is kind of not relevant, but as an aside, um, the, someone suggested that, uh, they should take a look at how drunk people, because inebriated persons often stutter, Mm -hmm. how their brains might be different or similar to the brain of somebody who has a stutter. So they had (laughs) fluent speakers get drunk on alcohol and then they used this electromyograph to compare their brain function with the function of other brains, uh, specifically stutterers. And as it turns out, there was no observable difference. (laughs) Uh, Which anyway, um, just a bunch of, Graduate, just, an just a bunch of kids it was getting, getting together and using lab equipment. It was their St. Patrick's Day. There's um, no reason to get drunk, but you're going to. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Johnson, however, our good old Wendy, Wendell Wendell Johnson, he disagreed with the department's position that stuttering was a result of a physiological or biological cause. Hmm. Um, and he disagreed because in his own experience, uh, he like he believed the development of his own stutter had been very different. Okay, hmm. so because it was gradual. Well, no, he he actually we're going to get there right now. He believed that his stuttering developed as a result of a, v- a specific circumstance in his life. Okay, so at five years old, little little kindergartner kindergarten Johnson, uh, his school teacher contacted his parents with concerns about his speech fluency. She informed his parents that their son, quote, was starting to stutter. Mm. So Johnson knew about the conversation. And from that was like a pivotal. That was the pivoting point in his life. From that time on, he was hyper focused on his speech, Mm. on speaking. He would fixate on his words. He couldn't stop thinking about the sounds that were coming out of his mouth. He was so hyper aware that instead of spitting out his thoughts, he would trip over them. He would fall over his words. He would get caught up in, um, in the, like he would get caught up and be hesitant and he would repeat sounds. And eventually that became like a habitual behavior for Mm. him. So he strongly believed that the worrying he did about this problem was actually what caused the problem Mm. itself. So like what would have been a normal language developmental process actually became like an ingrained pathology because he was worried about it. Mm. So anxiety about speaking incorrectly resulted in intensified disfluency. That was mm. his that was his understanding of his own stutter. I wonder if he was picked on when he was a kid. He was class president. Mm. And he validated I mean, maybe, but he didn't let it no, because stop him. anxiety about um, you know, public speaking or anything like that is That's you common. know, is a fear of ridicule. Well, it's common. Yeah. Lots and lots of people have but it's cr- now creating a stutter. Well, I mean, uh, according to. Well, but that was specifically what the teacher said. The yeah. teacher identified it as stuttering. Yeah. It, so. Oh, and, and then that got imputed into him. And then, so, well, she said, hey, your kid's stuttering or mm-hmm. starting to stutter. And he took that and he was really upset about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so as an adult, he hypothesized that a teacher or parent's criticism could cause stuttering. Mm. Stuttering in his mind was a learned behavior and because it was so as such, it could be unlearned, mm. right? Or cured. So this, this particular theory that it's learned and not biological actually has a name. And this, this kind of theory can happen across disciplines, but mm. it's the diagnosigenic. Mm. So like the diagnosis itself is the origin mm. of the problem. Mm. It gives birth to the problem. Yeah. Um, so in order to test this theory, Johnson would need to develop a study that showed a stutter could be essentially, could be developed. I use that word 
more than I meant to in that sentence, in somebody who had like perfect or normal speech, somebody who didn't have a stutter. And he was not the only one who wanted to test and then prove this theory. Mm. Okay, so along comes Mary Tudor in 1939. Mm. And she and Johnson, with Johnson as the supervisor and her as the graduate student, they developed an extensive plan to test this theory. The study required that uh, a number of subjects participated Right. And it was Mary's job, her first assignment to find them. Way to go, Mary. Yep. And she did. Okay. And she went to, this is where it really starts to get cringe. Okay. The Iowa's Soldiers and Sailors Orphans Home Hmm. in Davenport. Yeah. Oh. No one's going to mind. Oh. Babies. Mm. Um, Always Always the children. Ah. Guys, it makes me want to burn her house to the ground mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. And the name of science, name we of science. have to do this. So um, at the orphanage, there were a little over 600 kids total, and their parents had either died during military service or some of them had just abandoned them there, which mm. um, sounds really terrible, and it is not the best, but like it wasn't uncommon in those days with poverty, the way it was mm. for parents to say, I can't feed my kids. I'm going to give them to an institution. Mm. So there were some there whose parents weren't dead, but they had been essentially given up to the state. So mm. over like 600, the, the baby at the, you know, drop yeah, off the baby exactly, at the fire department. Right. But, which yeah. uh, is way better than murdering well, just, a baby. Know, just so throwing it out in the streets. Yeah. <sighs> Or killing it in the womb. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Tudor was given permission by the orphanage to select participants from a, a pool of about 250, 256 specifically children who ranged in age from preschool to ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So, of those 256, 22 orphans were selected. 10 of those kids had difficulty speaking as had been assessed or observed by their teachers or the head matron at the orphanage. And the other 12 were chosen at random and had no obvious signs at all of speech impediments. Mm. Okay. So five speech pathologists assisted tutor in making the initial analysis of the 22 participants. And these five speech pathologists would assist throughout the study as judges. Mm. So they were the ones making, like taking measurements essentially of how the, the study like effects were um, impacting the kids. They were rate making ratings. So they helped her conduct hearing and eyesight tests. Uh, the IQs of the children were also assessed and I didn't see like what measure was used. Um, but the average, the mean average they found was 85, which so we haven't done an episode on IQ tests, but the like standard mean average for the general population is 100 mm-hmm. with a standard deviation of 15. Mm-hmm. So that's up to 115 and down mm-hmm. to In both 85. Uh, yeah, it doesn't vary at all. Yeah. But, uh, really, uh, like the variation between genders is not statistically significant. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so if uh, if they were using the same like population averages, and I have no idea if they were these kids would have had like they would have been one standard deviation below the mean on average. Hmm. So yeah, not sure exactly what that really means if they were, um, if they had lower IQs than general population or not, Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know what the parameters were for the test they used, but anyway, the IQs were assessed at at 85 as a mean average. Hmm. So during this initial like set up meeting the orphans were told to read aloud for five minutes and then speak aloud for five minutes about whatever they wanted, whatever they pleased. Mm. So the judges, which were those five speech pathologists ranked aloud or sorry, not ranked aloud, but ranked their fluency on a Likert scale ranging from one to five, one being the worst and five being the best. The children had no idea what the study was about or what participating in it would entail. Mm -hmm. Um, All they were told was that the study was about speech and language development. Mm -hmm. They did not know they would be lied to by both researchers and all of the teachers, caregivers at the orphanage. Mm -hmm. Naughty, Mm -hmm. naughty, naughty. Um, 
Behind the scenes, Tudor had developed a method to induce stuttering in normally fluent individuals. Okay, so now we're going to move into more cringe. (laughs) More cringe? More cringe. Induce... Stuttering. Induced stuttering <laughs> already makes me go, I just want to punch the guy in the face, but go ahead. Girl, this is... Yeah, well, Mary. I mean, Mary, Mary under Wendell Johnson's supervision. Right. Both both of them. Let's punch him, mm. right? <clears throat> Do not be quick. You have to be slow to anger, Nick. I was slow to anger. <laughs> he was born, and I, I tolerated it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the study divided the subjects into two main groups. Stutterers and non-stutterers, or normal speakers, was how Tudor classified them. So within those groups, those two groups were then broken down into two groups. So a total of four groups, five kids-ish, five kids in group 1A, five kids in group 1B, six kids in group 2A, and six kids in group 2B. So so within those two groups of stutterers and non-stutterers, the half of the children were given positive feedback about their speaking fluency and the other half would be criticized Hmm. about their fluency. So in group one, a okay, So this is the first group. It contained five kids who all stuttered. They, they came to the study already with speech fluency issues. They were stutterers. So the children were encouraged to speak in this group, and they were told that they had been inaccurately labeled as stutterers. No, you don't stutter. That's mm-hmm. not true. You're not a stutterer. You're doing really well. They were told they were just going through a phase and that they would speak well th- soon. So this is our group that was given positive feedback, mm. even though they had stutters. Okay. Group 1B. So this is the other half of the stuttering group. Five kids that stuttered. Unlike group 1A, They were discouraged from speaking and told that they struggled with speaking. They were given negative feedback Mm -hmm. about their stuttering. Okay. Group 2A, which is our first group with normal speakers. These children were told that they had a stutter despite being developmentally normal with regard to their language skills. And they were also told they should try and speak more fluently. So they were given negative feedback. They were lied to Mm -hmm. and then given negative feedback. Group 2B, so this is also normal speakers, six kids, no speaking issues at all, and they were told that they had no speaking difficulty. So you can see how they they have like their experiment groups and their control groups through this. So from January and February um, all the way through May of uh, 1939, The participants would meet for regular sessions with the team of speech pathologists or the judges. Okay, so the outcome, like the outcome. So according to the results of the study, it was determined. Remember, like their population is very small too, 22. Thank God it wasn't more student, but but it is very small. The larger population you have in an experiment, the more like able you are to to actually generalize the results to the population, right? Mm. So they do have a very small sample size. So it was determined um, that the hypothesis being tested in group 1A, so that's five kids who stutter already and who are told that they do not have any speech problems. They're told that they speak well. They were encouraged to speak. Um, The hypothesis that they would lose their stutter based on the positive feedback, was not supported at all. Mm. They did not lose their stutters. Mm. The children who came in with a stutter but were given positive feedback continued to stutter. Mm. That was one finding. Right. Okay. That makes sense to me. Yes, it does, because, well, it's not, I mean, while it can be exacerbated behaviorally or environmentally, it really is a neural issue. And and you don't know how that, (sighs) that positive feedback, you know, do they believe you? You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's per- is everybody it's getting subjective. the same positive yeah. feedback? Like it's just not controlled. Yeah, how do you it interpret really it? Isn't. It's subjective. Which judge is yeah. giving what feedback to who? When? What are right. they saying? Yeah, it's, it's so, not a very good controlled environment. Well, no, it's not. Okay, um, two. Would a, this is another question, right? Would a stutterer get worse if discouraged? According to the study, not remarkably. Okay, mm. so this is a group one B, mm-hmm. already stutter. Okay, they were given negative feedback. No remarkable difference. Hmm. Interesting, right? Right. Really interesting. (laughs) 
Well, they, like, yeah, I know I said her. Great. Mm-hmm. No, it's a problem. Yeah. Great. Okay. Right. I didn't need you to uh-huh. tell me. I already know. <laughs> so really, over the course of this, they call it a semester. So from like Jan, Feb to May, mm. nothing of significance really changed within groups 1A and B. Mm-hmm. Or in group 2B. Okay, mm. so that last six kids that didn't have a stutter. However, there was a noticeable, a significant change, a decrease in the speaking ability by group 2A. Mm. So this is the first group of normal speakers who were labeled falsely as stutterers and given negative feedback. Mm. The participants demonstrated increased hesitancy while speaking, increased pauses, and in the study notes, Tudor wrote, quote, they spoke more slowly and with greater exactness, end quote. They had a tendency to weigh each word before they said it. Um, and the length of each participant's responses also grew shorter dur- during each meeting. Mm. So interesting. That's interesting. Over the course of the study, Tudor met with the first group. So that's stutterers that are given positive feedback, right? Nine times, which was significantly more frequently than the other groups. Although I could not find how often she met with the other groups. Mm. But... Why? That's, I don't know. I don't understand why that would happen, but maybe she really wanted, maybe her heart was really in the, I'm going to just like encourage you out of this stutter. Mm. Um, At one point, the orphanage actually contacted Wendell, good old Wendy, Wendy Johnson, who remember is supervising the study Mm. to inform him that the group 2A, the normal speakers who had been told they were stutterers, that they were, quote, not communicating well at all, end quote. And they stressed that many of them had truly developed signs of stuttering. I have a quote that uh, from the actual study, this is what Mary as well, Mary Tudor, and like what, what she was using and what the judges were using for this group 2A, the normal speakers who were told they had a stutter, right? This is what she was saying to them with regard to negative feedback. Mm. Okay, so you're going to want to burn some more stuff down. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Quote, the staff has come to the conclusion that you have a great deal of trouble with your speech. The types of interruptions which you you have are very undesirable. Mm. These interruptions indicate stuttering. You have many of the symptoms of a child that is beginning to stutter. Mm. You must try to stop yourself immediately. Use your willpower. Make up your mind that you are not going to speak. Sorry, that you are going to speak without a single interruption. It's absolutely necessary that you do this. Mm. Do anything to keep from stuttering. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Try harder to speak fluently and evenly. If you have any interruptions, stop and begin again. Take a deep breath. Whenever you feel you are going to stutter, don't ever speak unless you can do it right. Mm. She would then name one of the children in the group who had a severe stutter and say, quote, you can see how Jeff stutters, don't you? Well, he undoubtedly started the same way you are starting. Watch your speech every minute and try to do something to improve it, end Mm. quote. Uh, now, what would she say about the word that you just messed? <laughs> She'd be like, you're dumb. you dumb, Robin. <clears throat> um, so that was actually taken from the original study documents, that quote. Um, also, as part of the study, Tudor met with the matrons and teachers at the orphanage and told them to stress the importance of speaking well. And she gave some instructions on how they should speak to group 2A. So this is really the group they're curious about. Can we induce stuttering in a group of normal speakers? So she said to impress upon them the value of good speech. Remember, good speech is only speaking fluently. Watch their speech all the time and stop them when they have any interruptions. Have them repeat what they said from the beginning if they make a mistake. Mm. Do not permit them to speak unless they can say whatever it is they're saying right. They should also be aware of the way they are speaking, so they must be given the opportunity to talk so that their mistakes can be pointed out to them. So like lots of shaming, public shaming going on. 
So the lie was to be reinforced not only during meetings with the study judges, right, between the participants and the judges, but also by the orphanage staff. Although it's unclear to what extent the staff actually complied mm. with that directive. So how was fluency judged during the study? Um, during the meetings, the judges and between the judges and participants, the judges rated the speakers independently on five separate aspects of their speech disfluency. So one was syllable repetition, two word repetition, three phase phrase repetition, four interjections, and five pauses. In group 2A, so this is the, the group we're really looking at, right? right? right. We're trying to induce a stutter mm -hmm. here. The report signaled an increase in interjections and pauses. This, however, did not necessarily indicate the development of stuttering, hmm. as stuttering is marked more so by syllable repetition and long block pauses. Right, right. The final reports on this group of students notes that they had difficulty um, talking. They were hesitant, but there was no significant increase in syllable repetition. So while we messed up their speech, we didn't actually induce stuttering. We just made them so highly self-conscious yeah. that they stopped, you know, they, yeah, they hesitated. Yeah. Right. So the study demonstrated definitely, well, uh, within the study parameters, that labeling someone as a stutterer and pressuring them to speak correctly can negatively impact their speech fluency. Mm. But the ultimate question, did tutor effectively induce stuttering in the group of non-stutterers? Uh, some, there are some varying opinions, but n no, mm. is mostly what is agreed and upon. Then, and to a group of kids that are highly influential too, as well, you couldn't do this to a group of adults and them take you seriously on this. I don't know. I mean, probably it'd be less, it'd be really a lot more difficult. I mean, maybe nowadays. But I mean, you look at Milgram, <laughs> like you, yeah, you yeah. That, if I somebody was, in a, in a position of authority is telling you something is true. We have a tendency to believe I, I it was, and not question. I would just, I was thinking of Milgram experiment too mm -hmm. as well. And that even the slightest degree, even when the uh, person hooked up to the electrode said, I'm fine, I'm fine, mm -hmm. you can keep going. You know, oh, as long as he's okay with me hurting him, I can continue to uh -huh. hurt him. <laughs> even, and then they start screeching <laughs> from the other room. Then they start screeching yeah. and it's like, nope, it's imperative that you must <laughs> Then they'd going. stop re replying at all. It's almost the yeah. same kind of thing going on, but yeah. Um, this is, uh, I think this is a lot more. Well, you're, we're talking, you're talking about like, gross. they're looking at two different questions here, but ultimately will you, who will believe what you tell them yeah. and why, mm -hmm. and who will comply with what you tell them to do and why, um, let's see. So almost all of the, so although it's agreed upon pretty generally mm -hmm. or broadly that stuttering wasn't induced in that group. Mm -hmm. Most, almost all of the participants in group 2A spoke more poorly at the end of the study. Their self-esteem was damaged. Their confidence was bashed. Um, it was, it was not a good situation for them. So what happened to the kids involved? Well, in 2003, Mary Nixon, formerly Mary Tudor, stood up in front of a judge along with some of the study participants and they sued the state of Iowa. Mm. So... <laughs> I love that she was part of it. Um, she, like, in everything that I read and listened to about this, she felt truly awful. So that she's in her 70s at this point, and she felt really, truly awful about having participated in this, about having conducted the research at yeah, all. Yeah, sure, it only takes until you're 70. To well, <laughs> yeah, so, so, um, you know, you know looking back, I'm glad that she repented, that. Yeah. quote, like ish, mm -hmm. you know, that she felt bad. Um, but it, it, that's still really interesting to me that she was part of the lawsuit against mm -hmm. anyway. So that's but that happened. I'm sure the lawyers brought it up. <laughs> the, so the subjects reported experiencing lifelong emotional scars from the study. Mm. Three of the six participants from that group, group 2A, reported blaming Tudor for their lifelong disfluency issues. In 2007, the state of Iowa awarded the group who brought the lawsuit uh, $925,000 for damages. Cognitive damages? Emo yeah, emotional damages. Um in the sometime in the 40s or 50s, the study was found at the university, and I say found because it was never published. Mm -hmm. um, I, which makes me wonder: like, did Mary 
like as soon as she was really looking at what was happening to this group, like yeah. did she think, oh man, we never, we shouldn't have done I this. I just made. I can't believe I did this. Yeah. You know, um, I'm cu- I'm curious if she felt that if she felt bad about it that fast. You know, um, it, you know, part of some of the ethics uh, that go into psychological studies such as this, they never thought about remedy after the fact. <laughs> they just wanted to produce the results so badly. <laughs> we saw this in Little Albert, too, mm-hmm. as well. There was no reconditioning. So there, or there is, I think, an assumption that if it's learned, you can unlearn it. But <laughs> they never follow through with the unlearning it yeah. part. And then uh, during the experiment, it was, you know, they had to go to the extreme mm-hmm. to make them learn it. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't it be the extreme to make them unlearn it and do you have the tools did you even no think it about clearly that? people weren't thinking things through it's easier to go down a hill than it is to go up a hill right i mean i run easily uphill nick yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right so it's easier to damage a person than it is to heal them it really is mm-hmm. <laughs> right like it takes a tremendous amount of effort to heal yeah it's not it's not the same the yeah. two are not weighted equally exactly. um so, yeah, so it, when the study was found was when it was dubbed the monster study. And obviously it wasn't dubbed that by Johnson or Tudor themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time it was found, even then the details of the study were kept like very hushed because uh, Wendell Johnson was still working at mm-hmm. the university. And mm-hmm. I believe like the speech pathology department to this day, like the main building is mm-hmm. named after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't want to risk harming his reputation, but ultimately the university's reputation. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, yeah, um, that's that one. Um, uh, moral uh, of the story uh, 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 is uh, uh, um, don't lie what, to people. What do, 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 do you think about it? <laughs> I stuttered so hard through this whole thing, so. Um, but yeah. we're not a show that just overlooks our bloopers or overlooks <laughs> our blunders or whatever flubs. Makes it, yeah. <laughs> makes it appear perfect. We mess up a word, we make fun a of A lot of it, yeah, a lot of the time, so. <laughs> And, and, like, what we're not doing is making fun of stuttering, so I hope no. No, it didn't come off that way. No, I mean, I, I, I've i mentioned this before. Right. I've noticed it in myself. I've even noticed a couple, uh, see, right there, uh, a times mm-hmm. um, in this in this podcast where... This episode. Yeah. Well, you this. guys have all heard the 75 times I did it. Yeah, so. yeah. But uh, I noticed that throughout my life, too, as well. And if I concentrate on it and I think about it, does it get worse? I, yeah, it can. Yeah. Or I'll. It's usually in drawing out a word. Um, it, that would be elongation. Yeah, elongation, and um, and that happened. That started happening when I was seventeen. And After I your had, injury, yeah, yeah. A traumatic brain in, uh, injury, and uh, uh, got a brick thrown in my head. Yeah, you know, which, which uh, okay. I couldn't speak for six months That's and didn't so feel. I didn't feel my right hand for a couple of years. I, I mean, it gradually came back. Sure, but that six months of just speech impediment yeah <laughs> right Dis- disfluency yeah, yeah. yeah um even the uh, pathologist is just like uh, the like, speech therapist is- that's like there's nothing we can do <laughs> the hematoma's got to go away for me to even get right. a proper assessment and it sounds like you know what you want to say and all your motor functions it's not there, like you're yeah. f- trying to look for something that you can't find yeah you just can't say D- it. i just can't say it yeah. because it's pressing on which that is interesting it is interesting but there is scar tissue there. Um, I wonder which side of the, what side of your, do you remember what side of your head, dear? Yeah, left side controls the right side. I can't side. remember if it was yeah. a, like, so each side there's like Broca's aphasia. Oh yeah. man, I'm forgetting the other one. I, I don't know the particularities. Um, you know, the doctor is just like, you know, left side of the brain controls the right sure. side. That's why your right hand is numb. It's a mirror. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I used to play games with my, uh, um, uh, with my, uh, my friends and I would slam my hand against the table and not feel it. You know what I mean? Just like a party trick. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but but it didn't mean that I didn't damage it yeah, because I exa- felt it. Right, it's later. actually pretty important. We feel yeah, pain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, it was that. And and also when we talk about fear and anxiety and worries, like public speaking and things like that. Um, I, of course, I did stand up, but I was terrified of the stage and terrified of judgment and always particular in my words and if I slurred man that went downhill I don't have that anymore but uh and I do a lot of public speaking a lot of preaching and things like that once I had a fear of judgment being lost or knowing that God 
uh, vindicates me either well, way. Well, God's your, like, the judge you really got to right. worry about. There's a lot of anxiety that released out of that, and I didn't concentrate on that so much, and, and, and that was the remedy for me. It was to better. Actually, yeah. Um, I also, like, I think most people start with a fear of speaking in public, but I was on the speech and debate team in high school, mm-hmm. and it, and then I was, I was for, like, one or two semesters in undergrad at college, and um, I... I basically have zero fear anymore about speaking yeah. in public. I sometimes I, I the anxiety comes after I'm done. Huh? Like uh, in the analyzing of it? Yeah. Are people just being nice? You know, that's the self-deprecation. We are, we're you just know. Being nice. Are people just being nice? I actually just bombed, but I'm in a I'm in a room full of people <laughs> that I'm not going to bring it up anyway. No, yeah. you do very well yeah. when you speak. Mm-hmm. I think you. you do. Well, I, I and uh, I, I have to rely on that too as well. I mean, rely on the the skills, the confidence in God that He's given me, and a lot of that, you know, goes out the window as far as the anxiety goes. It mm. goes out the window, and right. it it starts to slow you down and focus. I think it's a major so. area of die to self. Yeah. So like you're not allowed because you're anxious to not give the gospel to somebody. Yeah. Sorry. It ain't, it ain't allowed. It ain't allowed. So you like, how do you challenge it? Will you do it anyway? Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's not actually the absence of fear. It's doing it in the presence of like, while you're afraid, um, which this, uh, that's a, this is a, it's not unrelated, but it is a, a different kind of psych process we're talking about when we talk about like fear of public mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. So and maybe we'll do a, like a, an episode at on that. And uh, we've talked about this before. I mean, we talk about it all the time, you know, as counselors, psychologists, we're always, you know, we want to get down to the root core of who you are. We want you to know that identity is huge. You yes. know what I mean? And everything seems to poke at that. Whether you have physiological disposition, it wants to take you away from it. Whether you have an existential circumstances, it wants to take you away from it. Right. Who are you? Kind well, of nobody thing. wants to feel different, like yeah. being feeling different like that. It, being different in that way makes you vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So now imagine a child being told that he's got something that he doesn't have. Ugh. You're ripping that away from it. You're, it's it, so in a small, Whatever scale you want to use, and everybody's going to be different. You're impeding on the human mind and the human heart and the soul. And you're ripping it apart by telling them that there's something that they're not. How many times that we do this when you're growing up, you know, you called your friend gay or you did this or you did that. I'm being nice with that term because we had other terms for that. And I then never, they grow up well, I, thinking. I never did that. I think that's more of a guy thing <laughs> yeah. than a girl thing. But, uh, um, and girls could be brutal verbally. Oh, totally. too. I I'm mean, just saying that wasn't the. We're, we're both aggressive genders. The like women. flavor du jour yeah. <laughs> of like insult was not right? that. But insults when you're uh, a child and thing, and then you grow up believing those insults and you have a tremendous amount of insecurity. Sure. So, and that is being told to you. You didn't believe it yourself until somebody told you that. Well, there's, so developmentally, there is a like social psych. I know we've talked about this in other episodes, Mm -hmm. but it's been a long time. There's a concept out of social psychology called imaginary audience that's very Mm. prevalent in like developing Mm -hmm. children and adolescents where like the perception that you are being like stared at Mm -hmm. constantly by everyone all the time Mm -hmm. that they are always judging that you are at the center of everyone's universe, Mm -hmm. including your own Mm -hmm. pervades. And Mm -hmm. so you get really self-conscious about things that most people, including your peers, Mm -hmm. aren't actually noticing most of the time. Mm -hmm. And you start to grow out of that. Hopefully in your late teens and early twenties, when you realize Nobody's looking at or me. Or grow into codependency. That one person that gives you the attention, they can't go away. I'm relying <laughs> on them. But so, uh, anyway, well, yeah. yes, we digress again. This has been a digression. But I think it, it it involves all you know that same foundation of something being imputed to you. Mm-hmm. You know, something that somebody's telling you or that you've read and you believe. We see this a lot in day-to-day lives. We see this a lot in marriages. All of a sudden, you know, a husband or a wife picks up a book, is your partner a narcissist? Mm. And and then they start ridiculing or thinking something, and they're going to start to see things that they don't, uh, that either aren't there or that they didn't see before. Or they are uh, there. Yeah, or (laughs) or they are there. (laughs) Anyway. And now you have an excuse to run. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I see that, and, you know, biblically, we are made in the image of God. Moral of the story is don't lie. Yeah. Like, don't lie. Don't lie. Don't be mean. (laughs) Obviously, this is a big what slander could do or what lies can do to somebody. Bearing 
false testimony against somebody is right. part of the Ten Commandments. That means it's a big well, deal. Well, and like your actions have consequences. Yeah. They really do. And they harm people. Yeah. They and can. we we've seen it in here, and uh, I mean, you can win a lawsuit many years later, I guess, if you do it. But <laughs> well, <laughs> Mary did. But like that—that's their whole like those people, their whole lives they struggled with disfluency issues. So mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, so there you go. And it right. truly is a monster study. But for those of you like both Nick and I, who have harmed others, both unintentionally and mm-hmm. intentionally in our lifetimes, you can take heart. Because, because we he, he's overcome the world. Because he's overcome the world. Jesus, right, he actually has an answer to all of that. Yeah. So repent and believe the gospel of Christ. We love you guys. Love you. Bye.